April 27th in 2011, you may remember this, the largest tornado outbreak ever <clears throat> recorded hit parts of the southern U.S. and it caused huge destruction in five states, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Mississippi, Tennessee, and Virginia. Four of the tornadoes which swept through the south on that day were destructive enough to be rated EF5, and that's the highest possible ranking. They're extremely rare, and on this day there were four of them killing an estimated 346 people. Tornadoes, hurricanes, and typhoons have always been with us, of course, especially at this time of year in the spring. What do you think, though, is probably the most famous tornado of all? One which didn't actually happen. Dorothy and her little dog, Toto, <laughs> were carried off to an entirely new world, Oz. And in this new world, there is immense beauty, but also danger. Along the way, Dorothy develops friendships with a scarecrow who wants a brain, a tin man who wants a heart, and a cowardly lion who desperately needs what? You know the story, I can tell. <laughs> you also know the story of Pentecost, <clears throat> on which men and women got brains which could move their lips in the pattern of strange languages, hearts to reach out to people of other cultures and backgrounds, and the courage to actually go out and do it. The event begins with the sound of a sweeping wind. No damage was done as it filled the room where the disciples were hanging out. The disciples did not realize it at the time, but this wind would carry them on an adventure that would last for the rest of their lives. You know the story. With the wind, what seemed to be tongues of fire came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. That Spirit would give them wisdom for their brains, hearts for outreach with the good news for others and courage to do it. The day of Pentecost was a Jewish holy day, both a harvest festival and the occasion for celebrating the giving of the law on Mount Sinai to Moses. And so the city was filled with Jews from all over. Utterly amazed, people in the crowd asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? And then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? What does this mean? For one thing, it means that God was there doing something completely new. Do you think it was coincidental that this miracle occurred at a time when Jews from every nation were in Jerusalem? Nothing God ever does is mere coincidence. He was preparing the way for the gospel to enter every land. We are a universal faith we Christians, and that was exactly what God intended. Even though the Christian faith seems stalled in Europe and America sometimes, it is exploding in many parts of the world. 
In 1900, 80% of all Christians lived in Europe or America. Today, that statistic has been halved. Only 40% of Christians live in those two places, and fully 60% live in the developing world. It was no accident that the Spirit of God fell upon the church on this particular day when so many foreigners were present in Jerusalem. And this has much to say when people of other religions and philosophies are flooding into our own valley and towns and neighborhoods around us. The world has come to our door, and we are to be no less zealous in witnessing to it than the disciples were. But that may require change. The second miracle that took place that day is the change that occurred in the lives of the disciples. Remember, these men who were testifying had basically been in seclusion since Christ's crucifixion, and that was out of fear of the Roman authorities. The resurrection, though, of course, lifted up their spirits, but it did not change them into flaming apostles of Jesus Christ, boldly proclaiming his name and performing miracles that the whole world could witness. And yet, here they were, <clears throat> witnessing in such a way that even strangers who spoke no Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek knew what they were saying. Of course, some of the onlookers made fun of them. There are cynics in every crowd. They're filled with new wine, some of the onlookers said. Fifty days after Pentecost would be the feast celebrating the grape harvest, and these bystanders are making a lame joke. Those Galileans have been into the juice way too early. But Simon Peter put them straight in a hurry. This is what was spoken, he says, by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Peter spoke, and the crowd listened. He had been changed in a way that the law never could have accomplished. The law was given through Moses and was a dispensation of death. But the Spirit was poured out by Christ and brought new life, life transforming people. And it wasn't just Peter who was transformed from a cowardly denier to the courage of a lion. On this day, Thomas the Doubter became Thomas the Dynamic because faith had replaced doubt in his brain. He later took the gospel to India, where he was martyred. Even Simon the Zealot, whose name implies that he was more interested in politics than religion, became known not for his politics, but as an effective preacher of the gospel with a heart for those whom he would have treated with hatred and suspicion otherwise. And all of these ended up paying the ultimate price for their devotion to Christ. Can there be any doubt that something miraculous then happened on the day of Pentecost, something that could only have come from God? Luke tells us that 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Notice a third thing. These were ordinary people, these disciples, 
who were used by God in an extraordinary way. They were very ordinary men with ordinary lives when Jesus called them, and they had given indication of going back to those ordinary lives. Remember, Peter said, I'm going fishing, until the Holy Spirit came upon them and changed them all. Andrew Lloyd Webber and Timothy Rice, in their portrayal of the disciples in their 1971 rock musical, Jesus Christ Superstar, had one song sung by the disciples. Always hoped that I'd be an apostle, knew that I would make it if I tried, and when we retire, we can write the Gospels, and they'll all talk about us when we die. But Weber and Rice got this much wrong. They weren't going to make it by trying. They were weak, confused men who were caught up in something they didn't really understand. But after Pentecost, the Spirit so transformed them that they turned the world upside down. It can happen to you, too. Pray that God would touch you, use you to touch others, family members, neighbors perhaps, touch your co-workers as the disciples touched the lives of the people around them. The power of God is still there. Pray that the Holy Spirit would work through you in such a way that you can make a real difference in our community. Some of us may need to overcome things like our shyness and our timidity to do that. Pastor Edward Marquardt of Seattle, Washington, tells about someone he knows who did just that. He was a young man named David Hughes, and at the time he was a blocking back for the Seattle Seahawks. Hughes came to Marquardt's church to the men's Bible study to speak publicly for the first time about Christ. Hughes told the men gathered there that he was more scared of talking to them about Christ than he was of preparing for a professional football game. Quote, he was not a professionally groomed Christian speaker, says Marquardt, and that was what was good about him. He just quietly told what had happened in his life. He told of the time when he was 11 years old and his father, a policeman, was killed, and they had a huge police escort at his father's funeral. The 11-year-old David was strong, or so he thought, and fought back all tears. Time passed, years passed. Recently, a policeman in Seattle was shot to death, and there was an enormous police escort at this policeman's funeral. Witnessing this event, David Hughes pulled his car off to the side of the road and started to cry intensely after 14 years. For 14 years, the feelings from his father's own funeral had been bottled up in him, but now he was ready to talk. He talked about the importance of reading his Bible every day, of praying every day, of worshiping God every day. Pastor Marquardt says, I was so glad we heard this man before he got professional with his words, while he still had a nervous stomach, while he had not learned to be smooth in his delivery. God touched David Hughes' heart, spirit, and tongue so that he spoke the right words to us. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost more than 2,000 years ago. 
The Holy Spirit empowered a group of untrained, possibly unwilling Galileans, and they started speaking with sincerity and power. Sure, the wind, the tongues of fire, the miracle of languages were the church's great grand opening, the balloons and fireworks that marked the public opening of Christ's embassy on earth. The Holy Spirit carries on his work in it without ceasing to the last day. And for that purpose, he has appointed a congregation upon earth by which he speaks and does everything, and you are a part of it, the one holy Christian apostolic church. He has not yet brought together all his Christian church, nor dispensed forgiveness to all people through the means of grace. The ongoing work of the Holy Spirit the ongoing work of Pentecost is not in wind, fire, and miraculous languages, but in the Word, and baptism, and the Supper. And by the Spirit, you are empowered to invite people to it. Open your mouths, not just to receive communion or to sing praise, but to invite others to the same fellowship that we all share. You have felt the power of the Spirit. You have felt forgiveness and regeneration in your own life. And so love requires that you share that with others who have not yet been so fortunate. That burning, flaming love of the Spirit enable you both to will and to do the same. God the Father has given you a brain. God the Son has given you a new heart. And God the Holy Spirit has given you the necessary courage, so do it. At this time, I'm bringing you a commercial. <laughs> the next Sunday is, of course, the voters' assembly for the congregation, including the election of officers. And the one position I believe that has not yet been fulfilled, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, the one that's not been filled is evangelism chairperson. That's very much a Pentecost thing. Remember what I just said in that illustration, that you can be a very ordinary person like David Hughes when it comes to speaking, but you know what God has done for you, and so if God's Spirit moves you to want to take that task and to serve in that ministry, that man in the corner there is the one to let know as soon as possible. Pray about it. <laughs> And perhaps God's Spirit will say, you're the person I have in mind to be the, the evangelism chair for this congregation. Please rise as we confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. 